0: Welcome to the Citizens Youth Sermon Podcast. We are a ministry of Northwest Gospel Church and a community of students who are learning to live for Jesus. We meet every Wednesday at 7 p.m. To find out more, visit nwgospel.com slash citizens. Hey, Citizens! Welcome! I don't like being this far away from you, so I'm going to use my little, I pick up a kid muscles and move this. Welcome! Hi, how are you? That's where you say, hi, how are you? Hi, how are you? Good to see you guys, good to see you. Are you even awake? I'm a little sleepy too. Just rib your neighbor for a second. Just shove your elbow into their lowest rib and see if they're awake. (laughs) Fun fact, if you're ever being attacked, just throw your elbow into some soft part of somebody and it will help, okay? <laughs> I don't know why. I grew up with brothers. I got tactics. Okay. Hi! That's not anything I was going to talk about. Welcome. Uh, my name is Courtney. Um, I have been here for a very long time, so if you don't know me, it's okay because um, I just have been hiding in the shadows with a small child that I had, uh, but he's now uh almost a year and a half and he loves music, so... He likes to come and listen to music. Anyways, um, this is citizens. This is the time of the night where we do this. We take this thing. Show me this thing that you have. Show it to me. And we go like this. And you put it on the floor, and then we pull up this thing. Do you have any of you got one of these? Look in the seat back in front of you if you don't have one. There you go. And we pull this up, okay? That's what we do. If you're worried that your phone just fell on the ground, don't worry. This phone flew off of the roof of my car on the highway, and it still works. Your iPhone will survive a drop, okay? Uh, (laughs) uh, Yes, we are continuing in our Hebrew series today. We'll be in Hebrews chapter 4. If you are new to the Bible or you need to use the table of contents or your neighbor's brain, find Hebrews 4. It's okay. All right, I have three words for you this morning, this evening. Whew. I don't even preach on Sunday, and I made that slip. Uh, I have three words for you this evening. Anybody want to guess them? Aw, oh, dang it! Come on, Simone! Okay, fine. My title's been given away. All right, these are my three words for you. Don't miss this. Don't miss this. Don't miss this. There are opportunities that come out in life that are like once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Sorry. I'm very loud in my mic. Um, some of you uh, may know of a well-known female artist whose tickets when they went on sale totally blew up the internet. The T-Swift. Any of you get tickets or know anybody who did? did Paige. Oh, man. Got tickets. Do you actually get tickets? you know people? Julia, I know you got tickets, Julia. Of course you did. Yes. Uh, maybe T-Swift isn't your thing. Maybe there's some other concert or event that you really wanted to attend. Once in a lifetime opportunity. I feel like I'm beatboxing into the mic. Um, I'm a nerd, so I was really jealous of some of you who, um, when they came into town, went Hamilton, NBC Hamilton. Wow, there's actually a, a showing for Hamilton. You proposed at Hamilton? Did you do it during the wedding song? Wow. Wow. Everybody gets snaps for Tyler. That is amazing. And you are married, so it worked. So tip of the trade, propose at a play? I don't know. Uh Broadway musical. Uh so I was really jealous of that. But uh oh, we always tell you the one thing you should never ever miss out on, ever, is summer camp. Right? Right. I mean there are things that happen at summer camp that you just can't replicate. Like the T-Rex musical chairs. You can never replicate that again. It was amazing. It was magical, right? Uh, Once in a lifetime opportunities, don't miss them. Here's the hard truth about once in a lifetime opportunities. You ready for this? It'll blow your mind. Sometimes we don't realize that it was a once in a lifetime opportunity until it's already gone, right? There are things that happen. There are friendships, there are relationships, there are uh, experiences, there are trips that you didn't realize was actually something that only happened for a short amount of time and then it was over. You know, I remember when I first graduated high school and I'm like in my college years and I thought these like years were going to like last forever. They were super fun. I had such a crew of like young adult friends and we did stuff like we went on missions together. We served in a lot of cool places together. We made a lot of cool friendships and I was like, dude, this is amazing. We're going to do this forever. And life is totally different now. And some of those friendships have moved or faded or some of those relationships I made, especially the ones like international and mission trips, I was like, dude, I have a friend in France now. And I have a friend in Hungary now. And I have a friend here now. But it's like some of those people I will never see again until we see Jesus together face to face. Right? These were once-in-a-lifetime opportunities. And some of you in this room feel the pressure of the once-in-a-lifetime opportunity right now, like maybe you're a senior or a junior, and you're experiencing like all the lasts, right? The last concert, the last dance, the last game, the last. You're experiencing all the last. You're realizing that these moments are are fleeting and they're moving out of your hands. and They're soon going to be gone. Or some of you are like facing these opportunities, right? You're trying to uh, figure out what to do for like a college or an internship or a mission or or something that you're wanting to do. And you're like, I don't want to miss this opportunity. You're feeling that pressure of like, I don't want to miss an opportunity. And the hard thing... (laughs) Like the worst feeling in the world is looking in the rearview mirror and realizing that you either didn't appreciate something that you had or you completely missed an opportunity. There's no pain, like more acute than realizing that you had missed an opportunity. And today we're going to dive in a passage of scripture and it's saying in bold capital, all caps, don't miss this. Don't miss this opportunity. The author of Hebrews is going to look into your future and into my future and say, I'm going to tell you what, you don't realize this now, but you do not want to miss this. You do not want to look in your rearview mirror and realize that you had missed this opportunity. And so here we go. We're going to dive into Hebrews chapter 4. If you're there, just nod. Give me a nice nod. If you don't have a Bible out. If your neighbor doesn't have a Bible out, hit them with your Bible and then hand them a Bible. (laughs) I don't know why it always has to resort to violence to me. Hebrews chapter 4. Here's the thing. Uh, The context of Hebrews chapter 4 is Hebrews chapter 3. Yes, Hebrews chapter 3, okay. So last week Noah was preaching in Hebrews chapter 3. By the way, did you know that if you miss a Citizens, you can actually catch the sermons on YouTube, Spotify, and the podcast app. Did you know that? Yes, we are on the interwebs. Okay, we're cool. Uh, if you miss a Sunday, you can either watch uh, it or you can listen to it on the podcast. Okay, so Hebrews chapter three, here's what's happening. He started a train of thought where he's saying, guys, Jesus is greater than Moses. And you're like, cool, right? Because we're not Jewish. <laughs> we're like, I'm sure I know Jesus is greater than Moses, right? Well, what does this mean? There's He's giving this... Uh, this argument where the generation with Moses received some good news. They received the good news of God and they will read. And we learned last week, they failed to reach it. They did not have the faith to reach the promise, reach the good news that God had given them. And the author is saying, but guys, now we have Jesus, Jesus, who is the better prophet. He's the better priest and he's actually King. And he has a message for you Today, Don't miss it. Don't miss it today. And so he uh, is going to keep speaking about this message. So here we go. Uh, Verse 1, chapter 4. He says, therefore, we're continuing with chapter 3. Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us fear lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. This phrase, let us fear, that's why I've translated don't miss this. He's saying, let us be cautious. Let us be wary. Like, pay attention. Let us pay attention. Do not miss this. We are, he's going to explain that we have a greater promise. We have a greater prophet who is speaking to us. um, And he has a message that he wants us to hear today and to receive. But what is this message? What are we called to receive in faith? Are you ready for a deep dive today? Hebrews gets deep. I need you to, like, turn your brains on. It's hard. Here we go. Chapter 4, verse 2. For, what's the words there? For, say it louder, for. Beautiful. For good news came to us just as to them. But the message they heard didn't benefit them because they were not united by faith with those who listened. For we who have believed enter that rest. As he has said, I swore my wrath. They shall not enter my rest All those works were finished from the foundation of the world. For he has spoken somewhere of the seventh day in this way. And God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again, in this passage, he said, They shall not enter my rest. Since, therefore, it remains for some to enter it, who those who were formerly received the good news failed to enter because of disobedience. Again, he appoints a certain day. Today, saying through David, so long after, and the words already quoted, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would have spoken of another day later on. So then, there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. How many of you are sitting there going, yes, I understand you completely, author of Hebrews? No, you're like, what in the world did you just say? (laughs) I don't understand anything that you just said. We're like, okay, who is is this generation? Who is he talking to? What's happening here? What is the rest? What's the good news? Did he just say that the gospel was preached to Israelites? Isn't that a Jesus thing? Did he just say that we're also supposed to have a promised land? Did he say we're supposed to practice Sabbath? What what in the world is happening here? All right, we're going to break this down, and I'm going to break it down a few ways. But first... What this chunk of scripture is showing us is that rest, which is a big word we're going to be hitting on all night, rest is received through faith. Rest is received through faith. Okay, so he is arguing that there was a good news. There was a message that was given to the generation of Moses, and there's, a, there's the same good news that's given to us today. And you're like, but they didn't even know about Jesus. But they did. Let me show it to you. Okay. So in the Old Testament, when this word gospel, or rather good news, because gospel is a Greek term, when this term good news is used in the Old Testament, they're meaning a couple things. One of the messages is about a messiah. Okay, so one of the good news is, is there's, a nou- there's an announcement of a Messiah. So uh, can you show that up on the screen there, too, Simone, there? The, the good news, or the gospel, one of the OT gospels is a Messiah. But there's also this announcement here that the good news was an announcement of a kingdom having victory over other kingdoms. In the Old Testament, that was considered good news. There, there is a kingdom who has victory over another kingdom. And so the heralds would come and say, good news, we've won the victory and the kingdom is secure, okay? In the New Testament, something crazy happens. Are you ready for this? The good news of the Messiah and the good news of the kingdom come together, okay? Jesus shows up on the scene and he says, behold, the kingdom of God is at hand. And he's saying, the kingdom has been united with the Messiah who brings this kingdom and it's at hand, it's here. God's kingdom has arrived. And so here's what Hebrews does. He says that this reality of God's Messiah coming and bringing the kingdom of God is a definition of this rest. This is the good news. The gospel is Rest. It is the good news, and you see, they, the generation of the Moses in the wilderness couldn't receive this good news because they didn't have faith to receive it. It's like um, there are certain spots in Washougal that there's like no reception. Like if I'm in the middle of a phone call, I'm just gotta wait and they get to the other side of it and then you talk, right? It's like trying to receive good news when you don't have any reception or internet. Like maybe you're waiting for your parents to get back to you about the decision that they that you need them to make. Or maybe you applied for a job and you're waiting to hear if you got an interview. Or maybe you applied to, wait, a college and you're waiting for someone to, to see if you got in or not. Or maybe, uh, I don't know, maybe you got a test and you're trying to see if you got a good grade. If you don't have the interwebs or any reception, it doesn't matter if there was good news, you can't receive it. You can't bring it into your mind and receive it. And that's what the faith was like for this generation. They couldn't receive the good news of the kingdom because they didn't have faith in it. He says, for good news came to us just as to them, but the message they heard did not benefit them because they were not united in faith by those who listened. And then he just goes and goes and goes and goes about a bunch of stuff in the Bible, okay? So here's the thing. The author of Hebrews is assuming that you and I are like, excellent students of the Hebrew Bible, right? So since none of us read the entire Old Testament on our way in today, we're going to summarize it right now, all right? Are you ready? I need my predetermined sign holders to arrive up on the stage in 30 seconds. (laughs) Run, run, run! Here's what we're going to do. Jack, you're in charge of this one. Micah, you're over here. Don't show anybody it yet. Don't look at it. Stop looking at the sign. All right, everybody else grab one of these guys. Okay, here's what happens. I'm going to summarize, like, the entire Bible in, like, five minutes. Are you ready for this? Okay. You're like, what? Can we do this? Okay, so, Jack, front and center, or front and stage right. All right, so, in the beginning, there was... You can hold it with both hands. You need to hold this securely. Okay. In the beginning, there was a garden kingdom, right? God made the world in six days. He made it beautiful. He put land and sea and sky and birds and people and all these things. He put it together and then he rested on the seventh day. And in the garden, who was there? Psst, it was Adam and Eve. Come on. Okay. <laughs> Okay, so Adam and Eve are here in the garden. Here's the thing. They are in God's seventh day rest. Check a look at these verses. Uh, in Hebrews 4, he says, like, so nonchalantly, this is so hilarious, this author, he says, ah, for it's somewhere spoken about the seventh day. You're like, what in the world? <laughs> of course, it's somewhere spoken on the seventh day that God rested on the seventh day from all his works. He's quoting Genesis, okay? I think we're one more back. Uh, at Genesis chapter 2, he says, God rested from all of his work, okay? And so Adam and Eve, they're existing in this garden kingdom, they're existing in God's seventh-day rest, the completion of all of it. He's there. Um, and he they what do they do? They don't believe, they don't have faith, they don't believe that God is gonna provide for them. They think God's holding out on them. They think that um, if they grab this apple, they will f- provide blessing and all that they need for themselves. They believe that God has not given what they need. So because of their doubt, this is what happens. The ground is cursed. And now the whole landscape has changed. And they experience toil and slavery. And they do not enter the rest of God. But here's the crazy thing about our God. This is why God is so good. He didn't leave them like this. Tribes, people, Genesis 3.15, what's there? Come on, who's the baby? Thank you, Sam Gifford. Snake crusher, yes, God made a promise. God made a promise. Who's the other big poster? You, over here. God made a promise that there would be a way for God's people to come back into the kingdom of God. But how are we going to do it? And this is how it goes. The story continues over and over and over and over again. You see this pattern that happens in the Bible. That God makes a promise, but they have sin and they're denied access to the kingdom. Or, in times, God makes a promise. They get into it. Woo! They sin while they're there. God goes, get out! And they kicks them out. Okay? And so, we are going to hit a few of those that the author of Hebrews says. Okay, so I need Moses. Moses, where are you? Moses! Okay, so Moses... This is what we talked about last week. Uh, Moses is supposed to enter the promised land, okay? Uh, He doesn't. (laughs) Literally, God delivers them. Adam and Eve, you can can go away. You're done. Goodbye, Adam and Eve. Okay, over here. Um, They are literally in toil and slavery in Egypt, right? God delivers them out of toil and slavery. He's going to bring them, look longingly, to the kingdom of God. He's going to bring them to the promised land. And they're like, yes, yes. We're going to make it. It's amazing. And what does that verse say? So we see that they were unable to enter because of unbelief. Oh. I had to do that again. And now they are locked out. They can't enter the kingdom of God. Okay? So, but then the author is like, well, just in case you guys are Bible nerds and you realize, where's Joshua? And you realize that Joshua actually does take them to the promised land. You can flip that around. Uh, Joshua actually does take them to the promised land. Um, what, is the, what does that verse say from this passage? Uh, it says in Hebrews 4.8, Joshua did not give them rest. They're still locked out, okay? So, here we go. i got to hit one more thing. Before we move on with this one, because the text talks about it, okay? The text talks about this thing called Sabbath, okay? And Sabbath, you guys can get out of here. Go away. Come, Julia. Sabbath was supposed to be, you're over here. uh, Sabbath was supposed to be this thing that was going to, um, one, represent the seventh day rest. So God created the world in six days. On the seventh day, he rested. In the scriptures, it says, six days you shall labor and do all your work. On the seventh day, it's a Sabbath to the Lord your God. You should not do any work. So this was supposed to be a day where they remember God's work, but then it's a day where they actually reverse Adam and Eve and they trust God to provide for them. Because here's the thing, If your land is your only source of food, if you don't work it, you're dying. Let me put it another way. If you are need to eating eggs for breakfast, but you don't go get them from the chicken, do you have eggs? No. No. Okay. So they're literally stopping their livelihood and saying, God is going to provide for me. It's like if you quit your job every week. Oh, my gosh. Right? Yes. Because here's the thing. We are working the ground and toil, and slaves to death, and you think, and our jobs are that too, right? Because we have to make money to find places to live and to eat, which means we're trying to live, which means we're slaves to death, okay? Okay, here we go. So Sabbath, they're supposed to remember these things. They're supposed to remember God. Would it surprise you if I did this? Oh my. <laughs> so surprising. No, they don't fully enter it. Yes, Jews still practice Sabbath, Yes, there are like certain laws with it that they still do. They didn't fully fulfill it, and there's certain parts of Sabbath that they never fulfilled ever. Year of Jubilee, go look it up. They never did it, and so it was a false rest. So here's the thing. Let's look at this verse really quick. Exodus 31. He repeats this covenant Sabbath. He says this: Therefore, the people of Israel shall keep the Sabbath, observing the Sabbath throughout their generations as a covenant forever. It's a sign forever. How is it a sign forever? There's multiple times in the New Testament where God takes an Old Testament thing and says, "Ah, go ahead, eat bacon, it's fine. Right? You can do these things. But the Sabbath is a covenant forever, and therefore this is where we get to it. The author in Hebrews, in our text today, says this. Verse 9. So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. There is a promise here of the kingdom of God that is still there, it's still available, and he says to you, today, it's available. And how is it available? Last sign, over here. Get out of here, Sabbath. Okay. For us, for Christians, there's a Sabbath rest that is available to the people of God. And who is the answer? <laughs> Jesus, right? He is the good news. He is the Messiah who brings the kingdom of God. He's the one who had perfect faith, right? And he is able to be united with the good news. And if those of us who are in Jesus were like, hey, buddy, we get into the kingdom of God, too. And this is what the author is saying, is that there is, are you kumbayaing right now? There is a Sabbath rest available for the people of God. All right, give these guys a hand. I want these two. You guys can put yours away. Actually, I want toil and slavery, too. Can you put toil and slavery right next to the kingdom of God? Ooh, okay. All right, all right. Thank you, thank you. That was a little bit long. Challenge accepted for next time. Okay, if they fall over, it's fine. All right. So, there they go. (laughs) Here's the thing. There is hope. There is a rest for the kingdom of God. And he says this in verse 7. Today if you hear his voice. Do not harden your hearts. This rest is received through faith faith in Jesus, faith in his kingdom, faith in who he is, we do not want to miss this. This rest is a reversal of the fall. It's the reversal of the constant toil and the constant slavery to death. It is a it's a complete undoing of all of those things, and it is a finished work. This rest isn't just like what you and I would think of rest, of we're playing our video games all day, or we're scrolling through TikTok, or even like resting on a beach or something. It's not that kind of thing. It's this state of our soul where anxiety and toil and hate and pain and angst and conflict and yes, death are not a reality. We don't feel those effects anymore because we're reunited with the God of, our, of creation who made a good kingdom. And this is the rest that we're longing for. When, when your leader, when your friend comes up to you and they're like, hey, how are you doing? You're like, I'm tired. Sometimes you physically mean like I chose to stay up till 3 a.m. and I'm tired today. But oftentimes, like if you were to be honest, there's an exhaustion of the soul. There's an exhaustion of the soul of being in this world where there's constant conflict and there's constant things that you just open up the internet for a second and you want to weep, right? Our souls are exhausted, but this rest is available today for those who receive it in faith, this faith that is a trust in something, a trust kept with patience and perseverance. It's believing that even now, while you feel and see the effects of the curse and of sin and of death and the world around you, you know that in Christ, the end is coming where those things do not exist, where you have peace and you rest in that today. The author of Hebrews does a deep dive through the scriptures to convince you and I not to miss this, that there is a rest coming if we would receive it in in faith. But if we're honest, faith is hard. Faith takes perseverance. Faith takes work. Trust is so hard. But it's a work worth doing. And actually, here's the good, other good news. It's a work that's being done in you. Let's look, at the, let's look at our last chunk of the scriptures here. Verse 11. He says, Let us, therefore, strive to enter that rest. So that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and expose the eyes of him who must give an account. So first we saw that the rest is received in faith. And this chunk is showing us that the word will reveal and reform. It will reveal and reform our hearts. This is such an odd statement to me, this opening line. Let us strive to rest. Thank you. (laughs) Let us strive to enter this rest. This is such an odd statement, and honestly, it has been the most challenging concept for me to understand as a Christian through my life. I've said it before, it's no surprise, I'm a little bit of a workaholic, okay? I like to work hard, I like to get things done, I like to check the boxes, I'm the kind of person who my identity really truly is formed by how much I can get done. Like if I were to be honest with myself, I would say I am what I can accomplish, right? And how much I can get done, and I'm like, what am I even worth if I'm not even getting things done, right? And, and, and I have this like sense of work, and so I'm constantly, even when it comes to faith in God, it's like, God, what can I do for you? What can I work for you? How can I do these things? And throughout my life, like, I grew up in youth group just like you and I had some really great leaders and they'd do this sweet thing and they'd like put their arm around me and they're like you know what you just need to let go and let God and I'm like that's probably true but that is the stupidest advice I've ever been given right what does that even mean how do I work to let go how do I work to rest how do I strive to enter this rest How do I, what do I have to do? And I feel like these words, um, from these disciples I love. John 6, throw it up on the screen if you got it. John 6, 28 through 29. These disciples come to Jesus and they say, What must we be doing to be, what must we do to be doing the works of God? And Jesus answered, This is the work of God, the belief in him who he has sent. The work is to believe, the work is to have faith believing in Jesus is believing that the work is finished. Again, we've been talking about all these things, these signs, all these patterns. This concept of the seventh day rest is the idea that Jesus is that God has finished the work. And there is a completed work that we can find rest in. There is a victory Right, that Old Testament definition of good news is that one kingdom had victory over another. There is a kingdom of darkness and a kingdom of light, and we feel the tensions of the battles today, but the victory is secured. God's kingdom is supreme, and the work is finished. Jesus declared it on the cross, and if we're in Christ, we don't have to fear what tomorrow holds or if we're going to be okay or if we're going to be provided for. Even when we face trials and struggles and grief, the end of the story has already been written. The end of death, the end of suffering, the end of sadness, the end of conflict, the end of hate. The kingdom of God is peace and life and joy and blessing all in the presence of God. And this is the guarantee for those who are in Christ. And this is the work to believe. This is that kind of truth when God's like, I got it. You can rest. It's that kind of rest where you can close your eyes at night knowing that you have nothing to do the next day, right? There's nothing left to be done. There's no more battles to fight. And the thing we have to ask ourselves is, do we believe it? But then how can we actually believe it? How can we actually have this faith? Because we doubt all the time. And here's some encouraging words here. Verse 12. He says, The word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked, and expose the eyes of him who must give account. Why is this good news? Because the word is doing the work in us. There is there's a work that is happening on our lives and our hearts, and it is a powerful work. It is a potent work, it's an accurate work. And the work of the word reveals things in our heart and it reforms things in our heart. Look at look at these, look at what the it is right now. Look what the, look at what the word of God is. He says it is living and active, sharper than a two-edged sword. It's alive and it is working in you. Like it is not one of those, like, AI bots online that's writing your essays for you. They get pretty good, but they're not alive, right? Like, they're not alive. There are things that they're intuitively missing. And by the way, anybody watch iRobot? We shouldn't have AIs, okay? I agree, yes. Okay, it's alive. The word of God is alive, and it's working in us. And look at what it does. It says that it pierces to the division of soul and spirit, joints and marrow, discerning the thoughts and intention of our heart. When we... look into our hearts, there's tons of mixed motives and mixed things. Like I might do something kind and generous for something, but on the sideline I'm also thinking like, oh, this is gonna make me look really good because I'm gonna look super generous, right? Oh, like I'm going to say this kind thing to my friend, but then they'll think I'm a kind person. Like our motives are so mixed and they and they mingle together and our hearts are never perfect and we're never like totally in the right mind. And this the this the piercing action of the word through the spirit like gets to the nitty gritty of all of that That begins to divide those things and carve out those sins in our hearts that cling so closely, those thoughts, those, those motives that cling closely. It's like, man, uh, it would be like if you and I had a brain tumor. Serious business. You know, I had actually I had a friend recently who went through this surgery. And here's the thing, when you're, when you have a brain tumor, you want a doctor who's not an AI, and you want a doctor who has a precision instrument, and does it well, right? Like, you want that thing to be cut out very carefully, where you're not nicking nerves and blood vessels, right? You want that thing, you want to be able to, like, think and move and walk and speak when you come out of surgery, right? And, like, they man, you need a precision tool, and here's the thing, like sin, the sin of the garden of Adam and Eve, the sin of disbelief, the sin of doubt, the sin of lacking faith, of like thinking like, man, does God really love me? Is God holding out on me? Is God withholding good things from me? Is God trying to harm me? Like those thoughts are so cancerous, but so interwoven into our minds that it's like having a brain tumor but the word is so precise and it's so accurate and its x-rays and MRIs are so clear, it's laid bare before him that it does the job. It carves these things out of our hearts and it carves these things out of our minds and it sanctifies our souls piece by piece by piece so that by the grace of God, when it's done, we're alive for real. This kind of work that the Spirit does is intimidating for sure. We don't want our minds laid bare before God. We don't want him to see all of our thoughts and know all of our things. It's, it's incredibly intimidating. Man, but if we who are sinners have any hope of making it into the kingdom, we need someone to help us have genuine faith. We need someone to help our hearts, and we need this reformation work of the Word of the Spirit's work in the Word. There's a reason why we put so much emphasis on this week to week, why we dive into this word week to week, because we need it. Like we need a surgeon to cut a brain tumor out of our heads. We need this work in our hearts. And so one of the questions I have for you today is, will you put yourself under the scalpel? Will you lay yourself out on the operation table and under the scalpel of a good God who knows how to take a brain tumor out of your head. <laughs> and how how will you do it? How how can we put our hearts under this word? Put our minds under this word and allow it to transform us? You will open it and you will read things that you will disagree with. You will open things and you will read things that are very confusing. You will open things and you will read things and be like, What? And at every time we dive into it, we study it, and we know it, there's more and more and more that God is working in us. And this is the word. This is the word that even was given to the Israelites, and they failed to receive it in faith, and it's the word that comes to us today. And so this rest that God has promised us, where the curse of toil and death is reversed, and there's a kingdom of God of rest and peace He says is available to you today he says today if you hear my voice today if you hear this word have faith so i ask you today will you believe will you believe and have faith in this jesus this rest is received through faith as the word reveals and reforms our hearts so here's our call today receive the word receive the word receive the good news of jesus of our King, of our Messiah. This good news of freedom from death, this good news of hope for a day where the ground is no longer broken. Persevere in faith. Receive the word, persevere in faith. Dude, this is why we do this together. Do you know Do you know that? Like, I'm not a marathon runner because that sounds awful, but I don't think I'd want to do it alone either, right? Like, I need somebody next to me to be like, Come on! keep going right that's why we do this together because it's easier to persevere in faith together and then finally rest in Jesus receive the word persevere in faith rest in Jesus that's what our text is calling to us today hear the words of Jesus when he says this in Matthew 11 he says come to me come to me all who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. God is calling us to this rest. I pray that you hear and receive the word of God today. That you take it and believe it and persevere in that faith and that you can close your eyes tonight upon your bed resting in Jesus that he's taking care of you that he's not holding out on you, and that he loves you. Receive the word, persevere in faith, rest in Jesus, don't miss this. Don't come to the end of your life and look in the rearview mirror and say, man, that was an opportunity lost. That was a missed opportunity. We don't know the days we have ahead of us, and we never know what's a missed opportunity until it's behind us. Hear the words of the author today. Hear the words of the Lord today. Don't miss this. Have faith. Let me pray for us. Lord God, we thank you that you speak to us through your word. God, we thank you that even in the line of Hebrews, where he says that you've spoken to us through prophets and through people before, but now you speak to us with your very voice through Jesus. God, we thank you for this word. God, we thank you that this word uh, is powerful, that it works in us, that it shapes our hearts, that it transforms our hearts, that it uh, cuts out the things that are killing us, Lord. And, God, that it allows us to have faith to enter into the rest of God, faith to enter into the kingdom of God, the trust to know that this day of, of peace and rest and hope is available to us today. So, Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters in this room. Lord, I pray for those who have heard your voice and they have responded in faith, but they're finding themselves weak and weary and doubting. Lord, I pray that you would use in your word the encouragement that you would use in the body of Christ to encourage them to keep going, to know that it is worth it, to know that it is it is a good work to persevere because it will have fruit in the end. God, would you help us to keep our eyes on you, to consider Jesus in all things and to know that you are good on your promises. Lord, I pray for those in this room who have not yet responded to your call with faith. Lord, I pray that today as they are hearing my voice and as they have read your word, that their hearts would respond in faith. Lord, I pray that today they would not harden their hearts as many in the stories of the Bible did, but that they would turn to you in faith and that in it they would find life today and life for eternity. God, we are so grateful that you even offer this life God, you could have turned your back on us in the garden and said you will never come into my kingdom, but yet you opened door after door after door, and finally you gave your son as the only key, and he is available to us today. So God, we surrender our hearts to you. We put ourselves on the operating operating table under the scalpel of the word. We pray that you would work on it, that you would heal us, that you would carve out the death And God, that you would help us to trust you today for today and for all our tomorrows. Lord, we love you. Help us to trust you. It's in your name we pray, amen.